Hi everyone, welcome to Forbidden Cinema, where we explore movies that were sexy and scary and everything in between and decide whether they're still worth the hype when they were truly forbidden from us. I'm Jenny. And I'm Zach. And we are tackling something scary and horrifying today. So if you'll remember last time we did Dirty Dancing, which Jenny had a very, very specific memory of being forbidden to see. It was important. This week, we are talking about something that I spent at the time most of my life on a quest to finally being able to see. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. It's a lot. I mean... I have no memory of this. I grew up the oldest of four girls, so there was no one in my household like jonesing to see this movie. So let me just take you back, if you will. Go ahead. Pretend it's 1988. Pretend it's the first day of third grade. Okay, pretend that your best friend, now it's best friend at school, it's school best friends. So school best friends and your neighborhood <laughs> best friends, you don't see your school best friend. He lives, you know, five and a half miles away, which, you know, if your parents won't set you up on play dates or whatever millennials do nowadays, it just means you just don't see each other for three months. So best friend comes back the first day of third grade, and he is wearing a t-shirt that is airbrushed with Freddy Krueger, or Freddy Cougar, as I thought he was saying. <laughs> the only concept I had of Nightmare on Elm Street before this at all was a poster at our local Dairy Queen. Uh, Dairy Queen in the 80s was also a vid- video rental shop in our neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Because you are not, not mine. <laughs> That's true. It, hey, we both live here now. We live here now, but it's very different now. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the poster from this, I encourage you to check it out. We have Freddy's knife fingers. We have Patricia Arquette barefoot in a nightgown walking on one of the razor blades. We have this just incredibly amazing hair punk rock girl with two huge knives we have guy in dad jeans with a mace that we never see in the movie it is just an absolute i want to be friends with these people it is (laughs) the warriors but 1987 and i absolutely love it we get there get to school and everybody knows who freddy cougar is just it's just i don't know why over the course of that summer everybody has seen all of these movies except for me so i go and i talk to my mom hey you know i need to go see this freddy cougar thing everybody else has seen it and she says oh i've heard of that movie and you're never going to see that movie never ever 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 hopefully by the time you're old enough to see it you'll be able to make wise choices and you won't want to see this trash (laughs) she's already talked to all the other moms all the other moms have talked to her says their kids are scared they're having to sleep with them at night they're having nightmares they're crying they're wetting the bed whatever and so i talked to my mom oh great well then when they're making fun of me for being the only person not in this circle i can just make fun back at them and that their parents say that they're all little whiny crybabies now and they can't sleep and she says of course we can't do that we have to just acknowledge in our own mind that we're better than them and never actually tell them about it and that makes us even better and now that i'm unpacking that yeah i feel like we're getting into some deep deep stuff here the entire social fabric of third grade in 1998 is based on this movie about this time, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince release the single Nightmare on My Street, which becomes absolutely synonymous with Roller Rink Days. I'm pretty sure I looked this up that this year the top selling Halloween costume was Freddy Krueger. So pretty much in, in third grade, every kid but me was dressed as Freddy Krueger. And uh, thank goodness uh, for Batman the next year and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the year after. Thank goodness there were some PG and PG-13 movies that kind of captured the zeitgeist. I was no longer, after maybe a year or so, just a complete outcast for having not seen this film. 
Still wanted to see it. The poster was amazing. Everybody talked about how great these movies were. It's still part of the social fabric. You've got part four, part five, part six coming out. Everybody's going to see them in the theater talking about how great they are. I feel like like I need to tell you to like breathe and... Calm down just a little bit. I, I know. I know we're like... we're coming back to some really deep, deep stuff. <laughs> I think that this movie for me is what this podcast is. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And we'll 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 unpack it. We'll slowly but surely open everything up so that you can uh, exercise whatever this <laughs> is. So let's fast forward about four years. Okay, so we're in approximately 1992. I'm pretty sure that's when it is. It is Halloween time, probably sometime in October. And I notice reading, we couldn't afford TV Guide, but we did have a supplement in our local newspaper that had some television listings in it. Nightmare on Elm Street 1 through 4 are going to be played on USA in the middle of the afternoon on a Saturday. That day, I was so sick. (laughs) I don't know if I'd ever been that sick before. It's, I was not feeling well, but it was a really great excuse to spend the entire day in bed. My television at the time, I believe USA Network was channel 23. My television only went to 13. So I did have to watch this in my sister's bedroom. So I spent the entire time sick, having a fever, maybe a little bit delirious. And on my sister... I'm sure that didn't help with this whole diatribe of movies. Probably not. Probably not. But I'm just laying there on her waterbed that dad bought from some random guy on whatever the 1986 version that of Freddy Craigslist is. That Freddie was going to kill you is. on. And yeah, if we, we did, we're not going into part four today, but... It, part four. That's my does. main memory of the Freddy Krueger franchise is some waterbed stuff. So I assume that this movie is on basic television. I assume that means fair game. It is edited for content. It is edited for time. And I just assume that I am completely allowed to watch anything that's on regular television. I don't think I ever actually cleared that with my parents. We will probably get into USA up all night right i think that the the usa up all night really negates that whole argument (laughs) but i think that you would have you would have some argue argument and some some fair points with your mom it's on tv it's allowed because they're definitely at this time what is this 1992 you said yes back in the year of our lord basic instinct you know they're not showing a lot of salacious material on TV, that if it's on TV midday on Saturday, that it's it's basically cartoons, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, this was, you know, it's still light outside and it's on basic television. It's fair. So I see it. I see it. And it is everything I expected it to be. Oh my goodness. A marathon of, of all four movies. And it was everything I wanted it to be. I could not wait. Now, of course, my best friend from four years before, he had since moved to Delaware, and I think his mom won the lottery. So, wow. Yeah, just uh, so he's gone. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Can we we Wikipedia them and see what happened with that? That We're friends on Facebook. He seems like he's doing okay. You know, most of these most of these people. We're still friends on Facebook, and they all seem like they're they're doing fine. They were not horribly scarred by being allowed by their mothers to watch this trash movie that their parents then regretted. And it seems like everybody's doing okay. Uh, but I did tell some of the other friends that you know that we were a part of that friend group. And keep in mind, we were eight at the time when I was not allowed to see this and socially ostracized and kicked out of every thing worth being a part of. I think I think that's that's a little hyper hyperbolic, but okay. But keep in mind, so everybody's talking about how scary it is and how cool he is and how much you know, how great his one liners are. Well now we're twelve and we're guys. So I tell everybody I've seen it. The first thing anybody says is, What'd you think of the nurse's boobs? Being that I have seen it on USA, I did not see nurses' boobs. I have no, <laughs> I am completely <laughs> lost. I'm pretty sure I had not. You have, you have no point of reference. No, I, I think after being weaned, I have not seen breasts 
in my life at, at this point. We so. we might have to edit that out. That's totally uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But yeah, I, I have not no idea what to say here. I probably say something uncomfortable like they were round and there was two of them and i guess i liked it i it was probably um i'm i'm having a 40 year old 40 year old virgin virgin moment and boobs made of sand that's a hundred percent what i'm thinking when you say that i was 12 i 40 and 12 are very different things they are very different things but it feels very very similar so that's it yeah i don't actually think i've seen this movie since then it was such a triumph that I finally was able to see it and then kind of a letdown that everybody else had sort of moved on. I feel just subjected to this movie. I'm going to be completely honest. Like like I said, I was the oldest of four girls. No one in my household wanted to see this movie. I'm not a horror movie fan. I don't I didn't grow up with my my dad loved classic monster movies. But horror movies was were not a part of it. I've kind of avoided these movies. I've seen them. They're part of the zeitgeist. I know enough to to get by informationally on these, but I've watched them begrudgingly. But I think with this one in particular, we have to acknowledge that Freddy Krueger was for some time in the 80s a cultural phenomenon the way in which I don't know if, if, if that still exists. You have things like Freddy Krueger or the California Raisins or ALF that just take off. And what is there now? I'm not sure. There, There's – but that's the thing too. Like we don't have kids. So there's that kind of probably 6 to 12 type of, of content that we're not – really involved with i mean we have nieces and nephews that are in on the lower scale of that and it's still very childlike i mean we're talking about paw patrol we're talking about jojo siwa and and things like that that it's not for freddy krueger i mean that that's huge i think maybe the joker during the dark night was maybe a, a cultural significance equal to freddy krueger Maybe you could argue Harley Quinn. I mean, that year, every kid was dressed like Harley Quinn. But I just don't see a character resonating like that in broad pop culture. But I think I think our Harley Quinns are dressed like Harley Quinn, not because those children are aware of Harley Quinn, but because their parents think that's cute hmm. and ironic. I don't think when it comes to Freddy Krueger... That's about the kids being interested in this scary thing, not the parents going, oh, isn't it kind of adorable that we've dressed our children as something overly adult? I can see where you're going from there. So, I mean, I mean, I don't have any feeling on this. Like, the, I don't have any feeling of, like, being left out on these movies. I don't really remember being, like, it being, I mean, they were a thing. I knew they existed to a certain degree. Honestly, like, I didn't even think about them again until we were at some sort of party, you know, when you were at graduate school and someone's girlfriend was like Mrs. Freddy Krueger and dressed in like a Lady Freddy Krueger costume. And that was 2010. So I think really the legacy of this probably is in the iconic character and the merchandising and the Halloween costumes. To this day, there's still going to be a Freddy somewhere. So I guess let's get into the actual movie. Okay. So what what'd you think walking in? Okay, so I'm looking at my notes. Um, first is none question mark. So we got a nun hanging out. So immediately we have this monster tied to some sort of strange catholicism some sort of strange religious thing that i i didn't realize we would see that um i knew i mean i had some background knowledge of this in fact you even you know we'll we'll get into this but you asked me kind of the whole penultimate scene like 
if I knew who was going to survive. And I knew who was going to survive because I kind of remembered part four. I didn't remember it was part four. To me, they all kind of meld into some one giant conglomerate of Freddy Krueger movies. And I remember little pieces of this one and that one. But I did know who I have seen before. I think that the nun character was absolutely working it. All she was there to do was give some exposition and be creepy, and she took it and she ran with it. She did. All so was she was a, was she a ghost? Absolutely. The, the the very end that was such a tales from the crypt or not tales from the crypt, but such a Twilight Zone or special Halloween episode of Growing Pains way of of ending the story or scary stories to tell from the dark. Where, you know, he goes and sees her tombstone. Come on, that was classic horror trope, and I loved it. It it was, but it's like, was she supposed to be? What was the mental institution like a religious institution? Was she a nun before? Like if she like died as a result of her injuries due to all of the crazy people who impregnated her like was she ever a nun like why i have a lot of questions but i guess nobody really cares whether that has any meaning or not we can get into the sequels we can get into freddie's daughter we can get into dream demons how does freddie have a daughter (laughs) we can get into alice cooper being his abusive father we can get into all sorts of things from a declining quality of film moving forward okay So this is, on Rotten Tomatoes, the highest rated film that we have watched so far. What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. I'm not sure. Because, I mean, it was fine. It moved. I felt like it was very dependent on its predecessors. And I'm not sure that a movie should have a high, high rating if you have to have seen the prior movies. I mean... I understand what's happening. He's scary. He's gross. He's killing teenagers in their dreams. But there's a lot of exposition that has to be explained in order to get us there. And I don't think that is an excellent movie. I just think that we probably should have done part one. But the poster for this one sticks out to me this is the one that i wanted to see that's fine i don't want to watch all of these (laughs) movies so if you want to pick one and this one was super important to you then let's knock this one out this this was the one this absolutely was the one that's fine so scary you know huge whatever larry fishburne larry fishburne he is acting like this movie does not deserve he for sure so charming to watch on screen he is completely believable i do need to know and we'll talk about this probably on our next deep dive because i have not done the research i need to know when he stopped being larry and started becoming lawrence when he stopped making these movies (laughs) is probably and when he stopped wearing the necklace he was wearing that's that's a note i have LF necklace is literally my note here on on my phone. Did he wear a necklace in the Apocalypse Now? It, it might have been dog. I feel like he was wearing something in Apocalypse Now. He probably now. was wearing dog tags. It's probably dog tags. Right. Which probably said Lawrence Fishburne because he was now a legitimate actor. If we're going to trade that necklace for those shades in Matrix 2, maybe we should keep the necklace. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm going to say I'm not a Matrix lover. That may be an unpopular position, but we can leave that here. I also wanted to know, when did nurses stop wearing hats? Because they are all in hats in this movie. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's something we need to look at, too. Actually, we have a, a personal reference. My mother's as a nurse and I know in her graduation photos as a nurse she's wearing one of these hats I do not know if she ever wore one of these hats in actual nursing practice um, so we will return to that too but I think by this this is 1980 what 1987 I think that they are not wearing Hayes hats in 1987 and this is just for a costume type of effect 
So I also noticed that this movie takes place during the height of the satanic panic, the Believe mm-hmm. the Children. Uh, you can listen to lots of other great podcasts that can cover that better than, than we ever will. So we won't get too far into that, but there is definitely a pretty responsible view of Believe the Children. There's a pretty responsible... Really? I have a complete different thought on this. Really? Go ahead. I do. I mean, literally in my notes, it's it's kind of that their dreams are from guilt and over-sexuality. They are teenagers at best. What guilt do they have? I was not, I don't think I was talking about the adults in the movie's response to it. I think I was talking about how we as the viewer are supposed to view Okay, this. supposed to relate to them. Okay. That, so how Nancy and, and the doctor eventually start to, to view them. Okay, that, that I agree, but I think that the whole, what's supposed to be the establishment has a very, like, the the dreams are their weakness that if they just overcome their weakness that they won't have this anymore if they just deal with their inner issues and their children uh, uh, they don't really have inner issues at this point i thought that this entire movie being set in a uh, institution uh, the introduction in here of most of the deaths looking like a youth suicide that struck me in in a bunch of different ways. Uh, I think it was pretty responsible in the way that it handled the subject matter, but I could see how it could really, really touch a nerve. I don't know. Did you respond to that at all? Well, it it could have. I feel like it really jumped the shark when it when it uh, imp- implied that a girl whose head was stuck in a television four or five feet off the ground committed suicide by jamming her head and electrocuting herself through the television, suspending herself off the ground. It did seem like it would take maybe a little more effort. You needed some help. You needed some sort of stool or a chair you would have kicked over. Something crazy. We're jumping ahead here. We are. Can we talk about... (laughs) Out the scene where they go back and they're in the quote-unquote TV room. <laughs> and the TV is gone, but the entire back wall is charred It's charred. Black. It's terrible. It's terrible. Like, they had to remove the TV because I don't know if they, like, one, it's maybe fused to her head and they buried her with it. I don't know. But, but of all the places to put people to cool it's, down it's terrible. in this room where someone's head exploded it's, and all of the leftovers are still I mean, there. and the girl who wanted to be an actress. It, I mean, it's, it's just terrible. But so, yes, I think up until that point, it's really having a dual conversation about these dreams and these nightmares and being they're potentially murders but them looking like someone jumped out of a window someone slashed their wrist someone is overdosing uh, all of these things that are probably happening at the time and I'm not sure if they handled them responsibly or not because they get melded into Jennifer, who dies by exploding TV because she wanted to be an actress so hard. Um, And also, we don't know. We've got Guy in a wheelchair. He dies. We don't know what that looks like. We've got punk rock chick who has a history with drug abuse. And we... We've got uh, Freddie with just syringes at this point, which is awful. We don't know if that's what her death looks like. We don't know what Nancy, the former teen dealing with these issues, now a doctor, what her death looks like. So I don't know how these are handled responsibly. I think in the start of these, they're all supposed to kind of look like natural causes or suicide. By the end, Johnny Depp is just exploding and they just don't even bother anymore. That's all the stuff. That all all happens after the cameras stop rolling, after the movie's over. Nobody sees like what all the paperwork looks like at the sheriff's office after the movie. But I mean, well, I don't even know. We, we've got Doc at the funeral when he sees the nun, the ghost nun, for the second time. We don't even know whose funeral we're looking at because we've got not Corey Feldman. 
um, having jumped out of a window because they wanted Corey Feldman so hard. They tried so hard. They were like, please. They would have taken Corey Haim. They would have. But Corey Feldman was what they wanted. We've seen Corey Feldman as an adult. He's still the same. It's very sad. But RIP because something in him is dead. So we did have a moment speaking of, we just keep on coming back to Amanda Kruger. And Jenny did look over to me one time and said, assuming your mysterious nun is right. (laughs) Right. We didn't a mysterious nun. She's probably right. I mean, when you have, when you, when you say that your religion is science and you have a persistent mysterious nun, there may be something to it. This movie, things escalate. Quickly. Freddie has his little razor gloves and then all of a sudden he's morphing into giant penis monsters, snake things. Eating Kirsten slash Kristen. We don't know. It's irresponsible. I don't know who's right. I don't know if it's drunk mom that's calling dynasty drunk mom, which is what I've written in my notes, whether she doesn't know her daughter's name is Kirsten or Kristen, but definitely people call her Kirsten and then people call her Kristen for the rest of the movie. And I don't know. I feel like if she's destined to die, which she doesn't in this movie, but she feels destined to die. We should know her proper name. I mean, at least see, like, what's chiseled on the tombstone. Right, right. That, I believe the first time she's ever introduced, it's as Kirsten. And then when she's being admitted, half the people are calling her Kirsten, half the people are calling her Kristen, and they just call her Kristen for the rest of the movie. Kristen for the rest of the movie. And they say it so many times, and after Jenny told me that, I just can't think of anything but that. I mean, I'm a Jenny Jennifer, and... I really pay attention when when people decide they want to call me one name or the other after they know better. And in this one, it feels like when you're admitted to a hospital, there's some official paperwork. And if people are going to be psychoanalyzing you, they should know what your name is. And we don't even know. So moving on, we have some set design and some special effects that I know this is not your game. This is not your deal. But... Credit where credit's due. For what they are working with, these guys have made some incredible scenes. They have. It's gross. But that's what it's supposed to be. And they really have. They've they've really worked hard to to make these spaces be just dreamlike and gross-like and that you can't escape. So, yes, I will give them that. I mean, those tongues... <laughs> <laughs> and they're constantly, the, they're still moving. They're still moving. I know. And they're like still articulating. It's really gross. Oh, oh man. That, uh, so I did tonight see the, uh, see the scene that I was mocked oh. at 12 years old from oh, seeing. So, pivotal question. What did you think of the nurse's boobs? Well, they were round and there was two of them. <laughs> <laughs> and they wound up being a murderous a dead man. I don't feel like we had enough time to really respond to breasts before there was tongue stuff happening and tongue stuff going wrong. It was real wrong, but also she was not wearing a bra. That's that can't be code. <laughs> she was wearing some undergarments. Um she was wearing a thong which I kind of think my mom was maybe right. I don't think I could have handled the concept of a thong in 1988. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. I'll have to look up and see when Weekend at Bernie's was released because I do remember there being a thong in that and really not knowing what was happening. I've got some notes kind of prior to this that I would just, we can just completely gloss over, but I think that they're worth mentioning if that's okay. Go ahead. Um, Nancy Thompson who is our our shrink slash heroine who's experienced all this before. Is she intentionally supposed to look and sound like Rogue from the X-Men? She's got her little white streak of hair. Is that supposed to be from her harrowing experiences? And she's got this Southern accent. I think I'll have to go back and we'll do some research on this one too for the, for the deep dive. But 
I believe that Rogue had not absorbed Captain Marvel's powers at this point. Okay. And I think that's where the streak came from. Okay. I mean, that's debatable, like, from the actual X-Men lore and then what we experience in movies later, but... That's what she was giving off some major rogue vibes. Am I am I right in thinking that? Uh, I think I knew who this was before I knew Rogue. So okay. I mean, I think the 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 gray streak in her hair from being so traumatized as a child was obvious, but I feel like it worked. I mean, she looked. I think we synonymize a gray streak or white hair from some sort of traumatic experience. And so I think that that works. She is only three years older in real life than the first film. And she's supposed to be playing a character at that time who was 16. And now she's playing a 22, 24 year old, which is still very, very young. Absolutely. Absolutely. But they've, she does, not look bad, but she does look her age. I think she looks older than 20. You said 24. Mm-hmm. She looks older than 24. She looks like a 24 who's experienced some stuff. Okay. So we've got that. Uh, we already dealt with Kristen Kirsten. Um, I kind of had a like, can't sleep, won't sleep. I'm so excited kind of feeling with this a little bit. They can't sleep. They won't sleep. They're taking like they're no one's taking amphetamines to try and stay awake. They would if they could. They don't have access. I don't know why they don't have access to because they have negligent parents. I definitely had a little bit of throwback to some some Save by the Bell. I'm so excited. Jesse Spano, let's stay up and take our essays. SATs and do our dance number kind of vibe. There has been a level of over-the-top acting in all three of our movies so far. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like there's... It's the 80s and the 90s. There's going to be overacting no matter what. Um, Overacting over... Well, speaking of overacting, we've got an appearance of Zsa Zsa Gabor. (laughs) I just have Zsa Zsa Gabor, darling, written in my notes. I mean, I grew up watching Green Acres a lot. So I feel familiar with Zsa Zsa Gabor to a certain degree. Ava Gabor? Oh, you're right. That is Ava Gabor. There we go. I mean, close enough. Close enough, but but I think that Ava Gabor is seen as like much more of a uh, people people admire her much more than Jaja. Jaja has got like definitely a bitchier vibe, um, which uh, it doesn't come across one way or the other because she's being literally interviewed on a TV that then one of our children shoved their heads into and explodes and dies. If I had told you that a C-list celebrity was killed on screen in this movie. Would you, how long would it take you to get to Zsa Zsa Gabor? Next week? Uh, probably. Next year? It would have been a while because she's... 50th birthday? I mean, C-list celebrity, even at this point, is pretty low. I, I don't even know that I would think that that would be her, her place in this. But, okay, so I've got Nancy... Thompson equals rogue. Jaja Gabor, darling. Funeral hat. Oh her, man, her funeral hat. hat is so much. I don't even. I don't know where she got this hat. I don't know why she's wearing this. Did she hat. buy this hat for the funeral? Is this a hat she just has at home? I if don't know. She has this hat at home. I want to see the rest of her hat collection. Where does she wear this hat? If it's just on her regular wardrobe rotation, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. So then. I mean, a reiteration of we can't be bothered to learn Kristen slash Kirsten's name. Nurse has no bra. And then I've got South Park. (laughs) Okay, so I know this is relevant. I'm trying to remember exactly why I wrote this in my notes. I think you're thinking back to the nurse scene. I kind of mentioned that once again, we have a scene with maybe some not okay power dynamics. Mm -hmm. Um, But we do have basically an attempted rape of a child by an adult medical professional, but it's kind of okay because she's kind of hot. Right, right. That that that's what that's what it is. Like the whole like it's teacher and like 
toddler or even even a best toddler <laughs> situation because everybody was like ooh the whole like teachers having sex with students because she's hot yeah 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 that's what it, it makes is. it makes it less of a crime when she's hot uh <laughs> according to south park According to the news media, I think they were trying to point out that that double standard was creepy and weird and should go away. It was creepy and weird and should go away. I mean, we grew up in the Mary Kay Turner, whatever her name was, and his name. Like, there, that whole situation happened, and then there was literally, like, this weird, like, dramatization movie of them. Then she got out, and they were married, and they had kids, and it's weird. It's weird that it exists in the world. All right, so then I have Beeper. Oh, man. Oh, man. A Beeper. Right. So, you know, we have some Beeper stories, personally. I had a Beeper in high school. Um, I don't... I'm going to be honest. I don't know why. People beeped me and we texted each other, basically messages via numbers and beeps. I mean, it became like a code master of figuring out what people were trying to tell me um, eight, via zero, beepers. Zero, eight. Eight, zero, zero, eight. Um, Maybe like one, three, five. Add up, throw that on there as well. One, three, five, ABC, Three. Keep e. talking. I'll type it out for you. All right. <laughs> I remember like what I like. I love you. And would you say eight eight zero eight? It kind of looks like boobies. Oh, uh, okay. Well, not eight zero eight. We have eight zero zero eight. That's a calculator thing. That's not a, even a beeper. That's thing. not a beeper. No. I, it would have been a beeper thing if I'd had a beeper. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I feel like beepers were invented by payphone companies. Probably was. Because I cannot tell you the number of... I've never had a beeper, but I cannot tell you the number of times I'd be out at the mall with somebody and their beeper would go off 25 times. Hey, can I have a quarter? Hey, can I have a quarter? Hey, can I have a quarter? Hey, your family's rich enough you have a beeper. Uh, I don't have any quarters for you, you fool. I never called anyone back. It was literally like code messaging. But I had a beeper. Um, I, I, I had two. Well, I had one in high school. It was blue. And then one in college, it was green, and I had two numbers for it because where I went to college had a different area code. So it was the same beeper, but it had a local area code phone number and a college area code phone number. It's a lot. But then you've, you experienced like the lack of beeper situation going into graduate school. I did. I did. When I went into graduate school in uh, 2010 and got to there for the first day of rotations and they were absolutely confused that we were not issued beepers and i just said i have a cell phone like well how do we get in touch with you if we need you you can call me on my cell phone well where if what if you're somewhere that doesn't have cell cell service well then you you couldn't beep me either love Sorry. <laughs> yeah, nobody could really comprehend, well, how do I beep you? It's like, you can text me or you can call me on my cell phone and I'll answer my cellular telephone and we can talk. Like, <laughs> but what if I need to get a hold of you? Like, how do I how do I get a hold of you and let you know to call me? Well, you could just call me instead. Right, right, right. So we got beeper and then we have Air Doctor leaving his driver's license at the cathedral in place of a crucifix like a like a deposit and Um, so of course they get to the junkyard right and dad goes out to open the junkyard door and doctor gets into the driver's seat for no apparent reason unlicensed and he's the only one in this car that doesn't have a driver's license and then dad gets into the passenger seat and then they drive away it's really weird. I don't know why that was more efficient. Like, I mean, it, maybe it was for dramatic effect that weird dad with weird um, facelift with weird eyeliner. And I looked him up on IMDb and this is his photo for IMDb is from this movie. Um, so it is the best he's ever looked or he died right after this. I feel like they wanted to get Powers Booth for this character. Yeah, I can see that. He must have been busy making Roadhouse or uh, uh, making Red Dawn. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, it was a very distinctive look. Pulling up creepily to, to the auto, whatever, the, the junkyard. He has to get out. Doctor moves. That didn't have to happen. Doctor could have sat right in the passenger seat. 
dad could have gotten right back in, driven in. There was no benefit to Dr. driving in. This movie was an hour and 35 minutes. And the scene of him getting out of the car to open the door to the junkyard is about a minute and a half. It was a lot. We did not need that scene in this film. Did not. Did not. Maybe, I mean, I have in my notes, drunk mom and wrong name. I've had those notes before, so maybe I'm drunk mom and wrong name <laughs> at this point. I don't know. It bothered you so much about Kristen Kirsten. It, it kept on bothering you. It did. It probably still bothers you. It's going to probably bother you tomorrow. And my basic response of we spent all the money on all of the puppets and all the the scenes and all of the scenery and all the fire and the Harryhausen. She is an Arquette. She is royalty. Why can't we remember her name? It's, it's ridiculous. They're out of money. There's no room for reshoots. There's no room for reshoots for flub dialogue on this film. There's no ADR in this film, really. This is the kind of movie that would normally be full of ADR. I have in my notes, like, parents just don't understand. (laughs) Like, is that the theme for this? Like, parents slash adults just don't understand what teenagers are really going through. Whether it's dream murderers or just teenage angst or the thing, the pressures of being an 80s teen. I I feel like that's really, truly what we're getting to in these movies. That there are deep-lying pressures that parents of the 60s who are drunk bringing home boyfriends and bourbon and then resulting in their heads being chopped off right did you see that coming did you see that coming her head being chopped off just the the guy that she brought home being freddie i mean it when when we were back there again i knew that we were i mean i did ask you was that all the dream sequence but then i immediately knew that it wasn't that we were just going to repeat that scene and then horrible things were going to happen that we were just back there again so and she deserved to die i mean <laughs> both of we've got was she part of freddie getting murdered we don't know. We're, we're, we're to assume that, right? That they're the last generation. I think we are. I think we are to assume Elm that all Street the parents children, were involved. That all those parents were involved. So the, all of those parents are, are supposed to die. So she gets her head chopped off, dream or not, with her side hair pulled and her dynasty dress. And then, you know, dad, dad with his facelift and his eyeliner gets murdered. And then he comes back as a sparkle dad. That's what I put in my notes. Sparkle dad comes and like apologizes and tells her that he loves her just in time for her to then be murdered. Yeah. Freddie does constantly come up with new powers in this movie. This is like the annoying kid playing Dungeons and Dragons or playing make believe that always gets a new power. Like you, you, you can't, you can't have all the powers. You only get one or two powers, guy. But he gets and all of them. He gets he, all of them. But he gets a new weakness every time too. Well, but then he like, like spoiler alert: we bury him with holy water and a crucifix, and it shoots godly light through him, and then he's probably fucking back at the end of this movie. He is. He. Freddie always comes back. He does. But did the doctor get his driver's license back as a deposit? That's what I want to know. He traded it for the crucifix and yeah. then he left the crucifix in the in the grave. So I'm so, guessing he doesn't have a driver's license right, right now. He is having to quabble with that priest about whether he should get his driver's license back at, as we speak. He's probably having to throw Nancy's dad in the trunk, who's now been impaled by a uh, Buick Skylark. I would just leave him there. And so he's driving him home with, with a dead body in the trunk. No. And he's got no driver's license. If he's done that, he is stupid. He is truly stupid. He does not understand what he's in. You just leave dad there impaled. You let everybody wonder what's going on with that. And you can't leave dad there impaled. Freddie's body has been there for 20 years, 15 years. But now he's and, been, but now, now if, but now if 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 I'm the one that's killed somebody or that somebody's gotten killed and I leave the body there, boy, they're, they're finding that thing tomorrow. He, he didn't touch it though. <laughs> that was all Freddy, all Freddy as a as a skeleton. I I e um Jason and the Argonauts. Style. Oh, the Harryhausen style skeleton. Bring it on anytime, anywhere. What are your what's your reaction to that? Did that because that was 
different from the way the rest of the movie looked. It was. It was very claymation type style. Yeah, I agree. I I have some background with Jason the Argonauts a little bit. More of my experience is with Clash of the Titans. Mm-hmm. You know, um, with some Harry Hamlin and some Bubo type of stuff going on. That's that's my my claymation type of 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 reference. But yeah. It, it was very different. I don't know why. It didn't make sense. It didn't seem like if we were going to animate. There were a lot of bones. Puppets. There they, were a lot of puppets in this movie. And the, a lot of puppets that were very organic. Maybe too organic. <laughs> you told me you were like, look away. Like, this is going to be gross. It was even gross on TBS. Like, and it was gross. That's that's not what I'm about. And it, it really, really, really was. Good for them on doing so much of this practical, though, because we did see with the Newton's Cradle that they could not be trusted with anything in CGI. That's true. They tried really hard. I mean, that was that was really, you know, advanced technology at that the time. That scene was ridiculous. But why, when we talked about his bones, it had been that long, his bones did not need to still be attached. Because they had like a bag. It looked like a bag of bones, and then we had the bag of bones, and then the bones were all together as one full skeleton. It's dream magic, babe. It is. I mean, that's some labyrinth stuff. Like, yeah, it is dream magic. Yeah, it wasn't necessary. We we didn't have to, like, go that far if we needed to. I'm not really sure I really even needed Freddy to come back and fight them and Freddy to come back. I really think that would have been better, a better movie truly to have freddie being defeated persistently like moment by moment as they were doing that he shouldn't have had the power to come to them and then go back into the dream and back into them i don't think that really worked for me i think freddie at this point was starting to become too big of a star for his own good well and the fact that he's gonna come back i mean in his popsicle house yeah he's just uh he's starting to become pop culture he's becoming the star of these films and so he he has to do everything you know all the good one-liners have to be him all the cool thing he has to have all the powers he has to have all the cool things i really didn't feel like he had that many one-liners i really was not paying attention to what he was saying this was the beginning of the one-liners they get way worse i mean that's fine i suppose but yeah there was a lot of terrible things going on and he that he facilitated and maybe he said something but i was not paying attention to what he was saying he had the welcome to prime time and the, like i thought i told you to get me some bourbon and there was i mean i guess is a one-liner but a one-liner to me is like some sort of like recognized joke or sorry kid i don't believe in fairy tales or, you know, the... fine fine but it was it was not it didn't stick well enough to have been like you know that mass murderer that's real burned and gross has like some snappy snappy dialogue so i think we've done about what there is to do with this movie i think so so it was forbidden to me it was kind of completely ignored by you true so what's what's your ultimate response then I mean, it's a it's a horror movie from the 80s. There's a whole genre of horror movies that were important to a lot of boys that had no impact on my life whatsoever. My my background is more with suspense and your classic universal monsters and it really stops there. There really is not a jump into horror unless we're talking about like horror comedy. Um, and maybe that's where we like kind of maybe bridge into something like Teen Wolf or something like that, which there's a little bit of horror and scary. Or maybe it's even Werewolf in London. Hmm. Werewolf. I, that was one I have not seen. I feel like that was something my parents had seen that I don't know a lot about. I know there's a lot of practical and weird special effects going on with that. So that's that's kind of a mystery piece to me that falls into the same kind of era, maybe a little earlier, but it wasn't something my parents were like trying to watch when we weren't around. They seemed to be perfectly happy watching movies that they thought they thought were appropriate or, you know, were o- overly appropriate for us. So for me, this one ticks every box. 
this one was specifically told to me, no, you cannot see this movie and you will not be able to see this movie. This was a film that kept me from being part of the elite class in the third grade. This was something that even when I did finally figure out a way to get around everything and see it, I was still defeated by it being edited for television. And so this... I remember seeing the box, I remember seeing the poster, I remember seeing people dressed as this for Halloween. The world's pop culture was based around this for a short frame of short Everything was of mocking time. you. Everywhere you looked, something was telling me that you cannot see this movie. And so I, I saw it. Take that, world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think ultimately it was fine. Is that is that a fair assessment? It is. It, it's it's kind of sad when something that was so put on a pedestal. I mean, maybe we should never see things that we put on a pedestal because they're never going to live up to the hype. Maybe, maybe. I think that there was a time when... First of all, who lets their eight-year-old kids see this? Like, I don't know. Why did all the children, all the children in in are demented? All the children that you like, what, what's have we have we looked at their Facebook profile profiles? What are they doing? Are most they of successful them are doing adults? Fine. Some of them have had you know trouble. Some of them, but most of them are doing fine enough. Um, it probably was not the entire world of eight-year-old boys saw this movie. It was probably one neighborhood. They probably had probably. a VHS, and they probably all watched it, and someone's mom probably found out, and somebody probably got a talking to about she it. She put the kibosh on that. And yeah, So it was probably not as permitted by everybody's parents but mine, as it felt. But boy, that's when you're eight, sometimes the thing can feel kind of way. It does. No, I'm, I remember those feelings about other things as well. So, yes. So, do you feel satisfied? Do you feel vindicated? <laughs> I feel like I love that I have the ability now to go back and to, I don't know, should I, should I text everybody or, or Facebook message everybody about that? <laughs> like, ha, I've seen I've it. I've seen it. Ha ha, take that. <laughs> if you, if I'm you... one of you again. <laughs> We can be friends now. <laughs> I think I, I think I think you need to make a different kind of peace with this. I think I do. I think I do. I I think that it might not have lived up to the hype, but I don't think anything could have. But I'm happy that I got to share it with you. There we go. Now that now that you can sleep with me and wake me up from my nightmares <laughs> after watching this movie, um, it's the circle is complete. Absolutely. All right, well, that's it for our third full episode, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. We don't have our fourth episode just yet. Stay tuned for the deep dive to see what it's going to be. But we hope that you will connect with us on Forbidden Cinema Podcast at gmail.com or our Instagram at Forbidden Cinema and share your experiences with your Forbidden Cinema and maybe give us some suggestions. We'd love to connect and do this all together. Absolutely. We want to hear your stories. We want to know what kept you awake at night like this did for me. What was that one thing that you just could not get to. And we can't wait to hear from all of you guys. Right. So. What was your, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> I just can't sleep moment. That's We're going to get to some bad acting by uh, Ms. Uh, Ms. Jesse Spano at some point, but I think that's going to be saved for a while. That'll it will be a special be. episode. It very special episode. All right. So thanks for listening. I'm Zach. I'm Jenny. And we'll see you in your dreams. Absolutely. Don't sleep. <laughs>